This episode is brought to you in part by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex, baby. Dudes, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. With BlueChew, men everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. Get it? Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our Douglas Movies listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code DLM at checkout. Just pay five bucks for shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code DLM to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Back to the show. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Doug hates candy wrappers, screaming baby sticky seeds with 50 ads and popcorn kernels in his teeth. There's still not one that he won't see, cause Doug loves movies. Hey everybody, my name is Doug and I love movies. This is Doug Loves Movies. As the title of this not-so-many-mini-eps suggests, on Wednesday, June 19th, Two Oceans 13, I got to go to the Landmark Theater in Los Angeles and conduct a Q&A with the director, cast, and cinematographer of a little gem that I've already told you about called The Kings of Summer. It's playing now in places I'm going to be soon, like Scottsdale, Arizona, San Diego, San Francisco, New Orleans... Minneapolis, Austin, Milwaukee, and more. And more cities will be added on Friday and even more cities on July 5th. So go to thekingsofsummermovie.com to see if it's playing near you. And if possible, see the movie before listening to this. There are no major spoilers, but there's lots of little ones. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. 
That was uh, that was Kings of Summer, as you know, and uh, a lot of the people involved in making this movie are here tonight. I'm Doug Benson. For anybody who doesn't know me, I have a podcast called Doug Loves Movies, and uh, I, I was fortunate enough to see the movie a few weeks ago and have on uh, two of the guys that are I think are here uh, tonight, and uh, we'll uh, bring them out. But first, let's bring out uh, the uh, director of the movie, Jordan Roberts, is here. Hey, thank you guys for coming out. Uh, like I said, you guys are supporting independent cinema, and that's a big deal. Uh, if you like this movie, please help us spread the word about it. Uh, because with movies this size, uh, one or two people actually makes a big difference. And what's the uh, where where are we at for the listeners of the podcast? Uh, you know, obviously, you don't need to tell these people where they can see it, but uh, is it it's still expanding into more cities? Uh, pretty uh, much each week, or? we're expanding. Last week, we got our uh, ass kicked by a little movie that no one's ever heard of called Man of Steel. <laughs> uh, so I think that's screwing up our expansion right now. But yeah, we're in like sixty th- uh, cities right now. You can go to our website, and uh, it'll tell you where it's playing. Kingsofsummer.com. TheKingsOfSummerMovie.com. <laughs> I love how they always have to stick movie, to movie on there. At the end, yeah. Because some, but some jerk went and grabbed The Kings of Summer as soon as he heard that was a movie. Actually, the best part about it is people were so nervous about this movie uh, and the fact that there are like kids swearing and kids drinking. And the kids, uh, the Kings of Summer is a legitimate Corona ad campaign right now. <laughs> so yeah, I think if you go to thekingsofsummer.com, it's like a Corona party. That's website. funny because I think Bellagio is the most interesting man in the world. Oh, and then there's oh, there's a thing at the end. There's a tag. There's a scene end. at the end, and we're missing it. There's a Marvel-esque tag at the end of the movie. We're setting up the Avengers of Kings of Summer. It's just more. It's extra footage of Bellagio. 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 Uh, Bellagio. Uh, do you want me to bring these guys up? Yeah, let's bring let's bring everybody uh, up here. All right, so we have our wonderful cast here. First, I want to bring out Gabe Basso, who plays Patrick. <laughs> Next. Hey, dude. Nice to meet you. Uh, the very wonderful Joe Toy, a.k.a. Nick Robinson. And then the very odd creature. Good to see you again. <laughs> I've been good. They're, they're Have a seat, up. grab a microphone. <laughs> He's just chatting with me over here. He's high. The very, odd, the very odd creature. Biagio. Moises Arias. Moises actually, uh, he won the, uh, the movie game we play on the show when he was on. He was... Uh, my favorite question I get all the time is like, so, Biagio, the kid who plays him, is a weirdo, right? And it's like, yeah, but in a totally different way. Yeah. <laughs> He's a thug. Uh, and then next, uh, Mark Evan Jackson, who plays uh, Mr. Keenan. Woo! Hey, dude. Nice to see you. And primarily nice because job. I like embarrassing him, uh, a very dear friend of mine and a huge part of this movie, uh, Ross Riggie, the DP. So we kind of have a ragtag uh, hey Ross. people here. Nice to see you. <laughs> Let me just jot that down. Late edition, Ross Riggie. How do you spell it? R I E G E. It's very, it's, it's like Riggie. It's like Riggie or yeah. Riggie? Yeah, I, I realize I've been pronouncing your last name wrong forever. I'm so sorry. Like, yeah, I've been right. saying Riggie. That's right. I'm a man of many names. 
It's tough for some 17-year-olds to bum us out, so it's okay. <laughs> where did you, uh, Jordan, where did you uh, find Ross, or how did that uh, you know, collaboration get going? We met like six, seven years ago now at this point. Um, I was looking to, I used to shoot all my own stuff, and uh, I'm super hands-on and kind of an asshole because of it. Um, and I didn't want to shoot my own stuff anymore, and he... Um, he was at the same agency as me, and I went to them, and I was shooting this short film called Successful Alcoholics, and I wanted someone to do it. And uh, I got a bunch of, like, great commercial reels, these guys that look fucking incredible. And I was like, why would they want to do this? And they're like, well, these guys make a bunch of money. They want to do something cool. And there was this one reel in the pile that was definitely, like, a little more rough around the edges and raw, but it was, like, way more exciting and definitely felt hip and... We've just been working together ever since. And he's kind of like what saved me in this whole process. of So he shot Successful Alcoholics? Yeah. No, that's a, a terrific uh, film as well. It's uh, short. It's like 25, 25 minutes long. Minutes. And uh, it's stars, stars one of, the, one of the, the biggest banes of my existence, T.J. Miller. Mine too. Yeah, yeah. So. He's, he's, a, he's a nut. Like, uh. Uh, <laughs> he's like, uh, he's kind of uh, Biagio-like, but he's, uh, but he's a real person. Yeah, I mean, I feel it's like I need, tremendous very, performance I need to be very by a talented young actor. Say in a public <laughs> environment, but uh, to describe him as the bane, as, as long as we can just both agree to describe him as the banes of our existence, that's great. Yeah, he's uh, you know, he's uh, troublesome. <laughs> he's a he's a, uh, he's a he's a troublemaker, but uh, oh, but, but hilarious me. dude. He, you know, he talks shit about me by name in GQ magazine. That's shit. That's true. First time I was ever in GQ magazine. Well, my parents pick up a GQ magazine to read, and it's this guy talking shit about me for no reason, unrelated to what they're talking about. It's great, really good. I, I would like to really dig into this, but uh, uh, the, the, there's such a big panel here that uh, may, maybe haven't even met TJ Miller. Oh man, what a douche! I know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he just comes on my show and is, is one of the top three or four most obnoxious guests. And, uh, and I have to have him back because the listeners love it. They love how frustrated I get with him. Beautiful. But let me ask you guys uh, specific questions about the movie, uh, starting with uh, Nick Robinson. Uh, Monopoly. It's yeah. a big uh, plot point in the movie that you play Monopoly a few times in the story. Uh, had you ever played prior to uh, playing this role? Um, I had actually. Oh, okay. It, it was yeah. Uh, it was um, I didn't actually play it anymore in like preparation or anything, but um, it was uh, certainly a very cool, um, cool time. I had a good time. No, Monopoly was so great. high. You're so high. Right no, I'm not. You're high. <laughs> but um, uh, you yeah, know that actually that scene was one of the first ones uh, I'd shot with uh, Nick Offerman, and it was, it was just uh, he he's a machine. He's hilarious. Yeah, he's a very funny dude, and uh, a lot of lot of ruined takes for laughing at. Uh, yeah, that was rough because that whole we like basically set aside that whole day for that scene, just because we knew it was an important one. So we had like six or eight hours just to do that Monopoly scene, and I mean the kids in general, I just threw them under the bus because you've got you've got Mark and Megan Mullally and Allison Brie and Eugene Cordero and these incredible comedians, and then you've got these guys that I'm just like. All right, keep a straight face. Yeah, don't laugh at their yeah. crazy antics. Yeah, uh, but that's like finally an intense Monopoly game in a motion picture because <laughs> I've never gotten through a fucking Monopoly game without somebody getting pissed at somebody. Uh, yeah, I mean, if it, it gets if, personal. It gets personal. If we really wanted to be accurate, I feel like it would be Risk, just because I don't think I've ever. Yeah, dude, Risk. I've, kills I've never like accepted a game of Risk being friends with those people. Were there were there any things like that? Any choices in the movie that you had to uh, you had to go? 
a way that you didn't want to go because of like uh, the rights or something? Like, is it hard to? Boston Market was on board, although it was this the greatest story. Uh, it's not really the greatest story. It's like a media Yeah, that's a big build-up. Yeah, you really uh, so, no, set yourself up for a fall there. This is just shit. At one point it's in the so movie... so cool. At one point in the movie, um, the guy at the party, when he shoots the gun right now, he says, you little shits. And it, he used to say, you little cunts. And that's just terribly offensive for no reason, and I love it. And, uh, <laughs> and we went to Boston Market... For some reason, CBS went to Boston Market to be like, hey, do you want to like sponsor this movie? Do you want to do like a, a, a tie-in meal or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in case they start serving rabbit. Right, exactly. And Boston Market, I guess, initially came back and was like, yeah, you know, maybe we could do this. Like, we could do this. And then they were just like, wait, is the word cunt in your movie? Yeah, no, we can't be involved with this at all. That's just a random question? That's the one word they're concerned about? <laughs> no, I, th- I think it occurred to them after the fact that they were like, oh, right, I think I heard someone say cunt. Oh, okay. It, but you didn't say, we're changing it to shit no, that's, dick. that's just on their bullet points of, like, general <laughs> deal memos at Boston Market. <laughs> Do you say the word cunt? Uh, Nick also has, does, in fact, have to. Uh, uh, there's a pretty gnarly uh, section of the movie where he's dealing with uh, preparing a rabbit, and was uh, you'd never done that before, right? No, no, I'd never <laughs> skinned a rabbit before. Did you? Uh, did you feel very Jennifer Lawrence in that uh, sequence? Because she, of course, uh, did similar shit to a squirrel in that that m- movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to drop any other movie names right now. We're you, concentrating you were, on Kings of Summer in theaters. You were into it because I approached him about okay, it. Okay, no, don't say into it. That's like way too. That's creepy. Like that's he, no, no. He, he said was, you were like an Inuit. Like, yeah, you're like an Inuit. Said that you were really, really excited about the rabbit skinning scene. Uh, so. <laughs> He, you know, I, he told me that he like grew up watching a bunch of like Bear Grylls and Man vs. Wild. Stuff. Yeah, so he was that's really true, but I wasn't into it. All right, he that's he right. was open to the idea when I said to him, "I want you to really do this." And his mom was not into that. I don't think to this day his mom has watched. Yeah, it. she hasn't seen that scene but once. The the best thing about it was just that uh, we we shot in Ohio, and which was like great for a lot of reasons, and also had you know when you shoot anywhere, it has its own unique issues. Um, but the best thing about Ohio for the production was you could just post on Craigslist and be like, does anyone have a dead rabbit? And then people are like, I got a dead rabbit. <laughs> That's so weird. They're looking at Craigslist, and they, but they raise their hand. Yeah, exactly. It's just, well, I mean, it's very no old-fashioned. It's more like think. Craigslist is just a guy with a <laughs> list of people with rabbits. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Gabriel, uh, can I get you a cold washcloth is the first thing I wanted to ask you. Because that is the funniest thing a parent has ever offered if you have one, a child one. and his friend. That is hilarious. Was that, was that like a uh, Megan Mullally riff? Or, no, that's or, a, the that's writer, the Chris Galletta, who no, lives in New York. That's, my grandma has done this to me like all the time. I swear to God, I'm not actually kidding. But, I've never just, had this so, yeah, Can I get I you a cold washcloth? my grandma. Yeah, she gave me like a cold washcloth and... Like, she, like, fluffs the pillows and, like, puts the cold washcloth, like, over the pillow. Wait, you get a cold washcloth in bed? Yeah. That's, like, how it works. You get a cold washcloth (laughs) and you lay down. Just because someone tells you that's how it works doesn't mean you should go along with this. You got a lot to learn. They're teenagers, guys. They don't know. Uh, but that's that's Chris. That's that's the writer. That's like his weird. That's like Megan Mullally in. First of all, Chris, the writer, basically is Biagio uh, to a T. Um, they even look similar. 
but Chris, <laughs> for the record, he would never say that. He would never say that. He yeah. would never that's admit a, that. Yeah, that's a diss to uh, Moises here, though. Whoa. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I was kidding. I was, uh, good but Chris, Chris is very on the record as saying, like, Megan Mullally is his mother. Like, the, the dialogue that comes out of her mouth. And we did a lot of improv, and we did a lot of riffing, but that washcloth thing and the whole, the whole like, Will Smith thing, those are all, like, based on real conversations, like, of his mom just not getting it. Yeah, I think, uh, Mark, don't, uh, it's just, uh, I think the camera's not even on you at that point, but I think you call Hancock uh, Hemlick or something? Or? Heimlich, yeah. Heimlich. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a little bit more sense than Hemlick. But... Uh, if you, uh, yeah, and like you said, Mark plays uh, kind of, uh, he's uh, uh, Megan's uh, husband, and they're, uh, they're, just, they're just weird parents. I mean, I, I guess there's a lot of things that are similar to, you know, all of our you know, lives with our parents, but they're, they're a particularly uh, strange couple, I thought. Thank you. <laughs> um, In a I fun way, yeah. I think that they are a, uh, a really common couple. I mean, it, you know, it wasn't hard to tap into very recent seeming memories of my own parents asking me stupid questions like, so you decided to wear the blue shirt, not the one with the pocket. Like, that's just one of those things that that's a scripted line in the movie. And it's, uh, it's one of those great, that's one of the first things that made me fall in love with the script. It was like that really tapped into that question that you, it instantly transported me to being 15 again to go like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, a, why do you care? And what? Like, but yeah. that's what's so interesting about it to me is that, but, but he, he, you know, this, you, de- you develop a rash because of the parrots, and, <laughs> but, but it's, but they're always very uh, sweet and, uh, and silly. And like, so it's, it's interesting that you had, that the, uh, you're able to make it seem like, yeah, he would want, he'd need to get away from those people, you know, cause like there's more issues with, uh, you know, uh, Joe and his dad, right? Like those, those are more like. Uh, well-defined in terms of, like, why a kid would run away from home. Right, well, at the end of the day, both of the kids, I think, like, when you take a step back, like, you should be so lucky, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, Joe's problems are a little more intense, but, like... They're still... They, they're not really, though. Like, on, I'd, I would take uh, uh, my dad over Patrick's parents, like, yeah, any day here. of the week. <laughs> Disagree. <laughs> That's so hilarious. I know, man. They're so nice, though. Oh, they, do, they are saying a lot of fucked up shit, though, even though they're being real nice while they're doing it. <laughs> Those dinner table scenes, too, like the, the Hancock one, that was at, like, 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning. It was later than and that. he couldn't keep a straight face, and I was just trying. I was eating. That burger was cooked for, like, 20 seconds in the microwave. <laughs> keep in mind, our prop department was, like, fired immediately after that scene for feeding me that. But <laughs> I was force-feeding myself raw hamburger meat to not laugh. <laughs> I was like, I can't do this. Seems like you got end, mad at me. The, and you, the you're busting up laughing behind camera. I hear I'm all that laughing, to. and I'm the only one that's like trying to keep a straight face. God damn it. Yeah, I'm allowed to laugh. Uh, Ross, how's it going? I'm great. I just want to make sure down, you get a question in. Holding down the left side over here. <laughs> what were there? Were there any particular, uh, you know, challenges to uh, to sh- shooting the the uh, the woods of Ohio? Absolutely everything. Yeah? Was it, was it difficult? Uh, very difficult. Uh, we had six-day weeks, which to begin with is tough. And then on the seventh day, our director, Jordan, asked us to go out again and shoot. And we can all speak for that. So there was very little rest. Um, Slave driver. Obviously very worth it. But we, we all in certain ways became our own zombies during this production and managed to function somehow. 
Yeah. It was, you were the uh, nicest zombie ever, though. Like, you were always in the best mood. Like, it was... I don't know how you did it. It was actually... It no, blew my mind. Ross is allowed to be in a good mood, so I don't have to be. Yeah. So. I got to balance out Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While watching, I, uh, I next to Biagio's name, I wrote down formal dance training. <laughs> Moises, what's your uh, how 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 do you move? How do you do that? Juilliard School of Dance at three. Uh, <laughs> Quite the prodigy. You know, none of that shit's in the script either. Like, yeah. no it doesn't say, and then Biagio dances well, like the weirdest dance <laughs> well, you've ever seen. None of that's Ross, in the script. Yeah, what Ross just said, the seventh day, our, our first uh, day off, uh, Jordan took us three guys, uh, them two and the rider, into the woods. It sounds very creepy, yes, but um, uh, we just started, you know, banging on the pipe. Also sounds creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that whole day was improvised. The whole pipe it's sequence improvised in the movie. pipe dance. Yeah, we just went out there. The audio from that scene is recorded on my iPhone. Uh, like it's that's just like guerrilla filmmaking. It's uh, yeah, that and just the, happened. The music or whatever you'd call it from the pounding on the pipe was uh, music, it, music, music, it's music. It's, uh, it's music. It's a repeated motif throughout the film, but that so that's not composed by anybody. That's no, just something that, that the guys just, riffed. That, that just happened on our first day off, and I, as soon as it happened, there are so few moments on a set where you actually feel like like occasionally you capture something that you're like, this is good, this is exciting, that's going to work, that's going to be okay. We need to, you know, we're going to have to fix it in the edit or whatever. Very rarely do you come across a moment where you're like, oh, that's special. That's fucking magic. You know, like, that's movie magic, and you're watching it. And that was one of those things when I we put them on the pipe, that just kind of unfolded. Like I said, it's on my audio. A, for the listeners to the podcast, there's a, they're standing on a giant pipe. They didn't, like, put them on a, you know, put them on the pipe. Sounds like you got them to smoke some crack. We put them on the pipe. We got them all the hooked woods. on the pipe, and we just said, uh, just bang out a tune, boys. Just put them on the pipe, took them to the woods, and just banged. <laughs> For the listeners to the podcast, <laughs> the three boys are smoking crack right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, as soon as, as soon as we shot that, as soon as we shot that, I just started rethinking the entire movie, and uh, I just knew that was something special, and so we started rejiggering it. And you know, a lot like I didn't know there's no violin in the script. I just found out he could do it. You know, Moises is just incredibly talented as a dancer, and it's like, yeah, Biagio, why wouldn't he be able to dance? <laughs> but uh, Patrick's foot injury, that was in the script. That's a script. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't one of those deals where, like, he showed up on the set with a <laughs> fucked up foot, and you're like, oh, got to rewrite some pages. <laughs> got to change some shit. Got to fix that. Was that weird walking around with that thing on? It was miserable. Like, by the end, uh, to be completely honest, like, yeah, I have this guy tell me to do everything, you know, Moises and Nick are doing, except in a boot. And so he was like, sprint down the field. And I was like, I'm in a boot. Yeah, I, I saw forgot. the slow motion running scenes. It's like, that guy really has a thing on his foot. But he's super competitive is the best part. So he'll be like, yeah, I'm going to do this and then bitch about it later. So he'll do it. I, I never bitched about anything. Until right happened. now, later. I didn't say how much later. <laughs> It'll happen. Um, uh, <laughs> so Jordan... The title got switched at some point in the yeah. process of this movie, and I'm, I'm just curious how that happened. And uh, It used to be, when we premiered Sundance, it was called Toys House, uh, which, on one hand, is a title that I loved. On the other hand, no one is used to the possessive form of the word toy, and people would, like, literally, like, out of Sundance, we would have reviews that would come out, and it would call it Toys House, and then by the third paragraph, they were calling our movie Toy Story. <laughs> it was like, ah... Uh, so it's this weird thing where some people love the title, some people... In fact, when Offerman got brought on board, he pitched me a bunch of weird alt titles that were like, 
Pussy Canyon and weird things. <laughs> just like weird Offerman titles. Like, like he just shows up. Yeah. I'm not happy with this title. Yeah. Just like we're gonna have to discuss some options. The Frank Toy Story. <laughs> just like weird shit like that. And um, we always knew it was sort of a thing, but then CBS, toys in the attic. <laughs> toys in the would attic. Be good if it was already, if it wasn't taken already. Uh, just weird. So shit it wasn't like, like any kind of studio or any kind no, of no, pressure. No, no. CBS something. came in later. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I, I will say this uh, freely. I found out about the title change via Deadline Hollywood. So, yeah. I don't understand that reaction from the audience, but uh, oh. two or three people are disgusted with Deadline Hollywood. <laughs> um, yeah, so switch the title. and uh, They did market testing, uh, and it was this weird thing where they just found that more people would be willing to go to see a movie called Kings of Summer than Toys House. And not even by that much, by like 10%. But the weird thing was on the exit polling when they were like, all right, now that you've seen the movie, do you feel like Toys House is a better title than Kings of Summer? It was even. They were like, yeah, we feel like they're both fine titles. It is kind of a spoiler that there that there's going to be a house. <laughs> I don't think and so. And as it is, I was disappointed they never became royalty. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> But I did, I, I did like the fact that no one at any point in the film, you know, because of that sequence of events, no one had the opportunity to have the line yelling out, like, we're the kings of summer, right. and jump or, into the lake or something. Yeah. Come Pussy on back Canyon. to Toy's house. Pussy Canyon. Yeah. No, it's Pussy Canyon, Canyon, Canyon. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's all, that was the interesting story to me. Or, I mean, I thought it might be an interesting story, and turns out it was, Our writer it was amazing. writer calls it Toys House. But there's that moment, I was going to say, there was that moment where uh, Moises, as a, a Biagio, is standing in the shopping cart with his arms out as if he's about to say, I'm the king of the world. So it is sort of in there, okay. I think. Everyone, everyone's nodding in agreement for the. I thought he was uh, going to say listening. Pussy Canyon. That's what it looks like he's going to say. That's <laughs> that's what I say every time I'm in a shopping cart. <laughs> oh yeah, this is Pussy Canyon. Uh, Offerman's notes in general were amazing because there were all these things. It was like he'd be like, you know, um, you know, a snake wouldn't behave that way. <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's totally unrealistic that uh, the boyfriend would be. Wearing a tool belt and driving the truck at the same time. No one does that. It's like, all right, dude, you're a man. I'm not. I'm a boy. I get it. I don't know about these things, like survival things. They were all incredible, weird notes. Yeah, he's an intimidating figure. Yeah. Where, where the hell is he tonight? He's with his lovely What's his wife excuse? On oh, the two of them <laughs> blowing you off in your hour yeah, of need. Yeah, that's what they do. But I'm, I'm thrilled to have all you guys here, and I would like to ask a question before opening it up to uh, any audience questions that are out there uh, that I ask every on every episode of my podcast. Nick and Moises have already been through this. But let's start with Ross on the end down there, uh, crack cinematographer. Uh What's what have you seen lately? Have you been to the movies lately? I have been to the movies lately. What'd you see? Man of Steel. This uh, is well, the end. The most recent movie I saw was This Is the End. Yeah. Do you enjoy that? Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to put you on the spot. Let me just ask you, how was the cinematography in This Is the End? I appreciated it. I think I think it actually uh, for a comedy, I think we're in a world that comedies aren't 
aren't giving emphasis to the way they're shot. And I think that they, you know, they at least looked at that and took that seriously. I think yours and, and that your movie and that movie are probably the two most, the most hilarious movies that also have lens flares that are playing, <laughs> Lots playing of in lens theaters flares. this summer. I appreciate lens flares. Yeah. Okay. You could have said good looking or textured or anything, but just lens well, flares. Well, I don't know if I'd say that. I mean, I'm not sure if I'd say that about the other movie, but yeah, of course, oh. the cinematography Jordan, in this Jordan, movie is beautiful. You were all about the flares. So I love lens flares. Like, every time there'd be a sunset, oh, flare! And we'd like, <laughs> stop shooting and, and get the flare. Well, we, like, through we, the trees. We, we did the math. There's actually, um, if you break it down, there's a flare once per minute in this movie. <laughs> so That can't possibly be true. It, it's not actually one once per minute, but sometimes they happen. There's 90... Two flares in the movie. We we counted. We counted. There's 92. I was going to say that's the movie. only reason I'd go back to see this is the end to, to do a flare. Count. I would have. <laughs> I would have guessed 50 at most if uh, asked. That. I, I thought I saw it three or four times, and that's why I was being so clever bringing it up. 92. But 92 times. Yep. That's a fun drinking game. <laughs> You'd be dead next time I see that movie. Uh, Mark, what what have you been to lately? Uh, I think the most recent movie I've seen was uh, To the Wonder. Yeah, Terrence Malick movie. Yeah, did you like that? I did. It was was gorgeous. Yeah, it was uh, very spare and uh, and lovely. Do you enjoy all all of Malick's work? You know, I uh, will admit that I didn't know much about it until meeting Jordan, and uh, when he found out that uh, that I hadn't. known that much about Terrence Malick, he'd put our friendship on hold until I uh, studied up. So, uh, yeah, becoming a giant fan. Tree of Life? Yes. Moises is saying yes to uh, Tree of Life. Incredibly trippy. Just <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what have you seen lately, Moises? Have you been to the... Uh... Yeah, I saw Man of Steel. Did you like it? Yeah, <laughs> I wish I could say it was really, really good, but it was okay. It was, it was okay. Was, yeah. All right, I haven't seen it yet, but uh, yeah. I've heard mixed things. So yeah. it's it's fair assessment. Yeah, I don't want to trash on it, but it was decent. <laughs> this kid is slick. <laughs> Nick, what about you? Uh, this is the end too, actually. The oh, they already the made that. Oh my God! Hey, there's already they just screen light one. shit so fast these I, days. Uh, yeah, I know. I got a pre-screening. It's really cool. Like, just gonna blow your mind. Um, it ends this is twice. The it's crazy. It flares like at least 130 times. <laughs> Damn. Hold up. Hold up. But uh, no, it was it was it was good. I laughed. It was that was what I came to do was to laugh, and I did. So. <laughs> I'm here to laugh, everybody. <laughs> I'm here to laugh. Make that announcement to the theater. Well, also the thing about Kings of Summer that like you may not get the trailer's pretty funny, but it's it's consistently funny throughout. Like it's very uh, it's it's. Do you call it a comedy or or do you you can't call it a rom com? Obviously, it's not really a rom com. Even though those boys uh, do fall in love with Biagio. Yeah, yeah, I think you have to call it a comedy. And you probably have to, like, then even go another level down and be like, it's a coming-of-age comedy. But, like, I don't think that that represents what it is. Because, I, I like, at the beginning, when I prefaced the intro, I was like, it's sort of a really weird movie, and it's not. And I think that there's stuff in this movie that is very... That's like, a, that was an interesting thing to put into our heads. It's weird, but it's not. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> because it's, it is. It's quirky, but it's also relatable at the same there's time. There's also just, like, absurd stuff. And, like, I just wanted to make something that was, like... Uh, a throwback to like Amblin movies and John Hughes movies, and then basically make like a really dumb Terrence Malick movie. 
which is to say like have impressionistic and ethereal elements and match yeah, it's arts, dick jokes. Yeah, it's artsier than uh, than your right. typical John Hughes. Movie. But then, but then, like I think there's really weird alt comedy in that. Like all the stuff with Thomas Middleditch and the Marilyn Rice Cub is the cops, just like. Fucking, there's crazy NBA. I think like, Thomas Middleton studied T.J. Miller before playing that part. <laughs> well, I, I think he was channeling him or something. Yeah, and Mary Lynn Rice comes very, very funny. And Kumail and Johnny has a funny scene where, where he shows up. Like Hannibal Burris shows up. Hannibal Burris, I love when he's like, "What's that? A pager? <laughs> Who's got a pager?" No, no, no. no. That that, that dude had a beeper. That's yeah, my beeper. favorite line. Yeah, that yeah. dude had a that beeper. Had a beeper. Had a that was um, is that a beeper? Yeah. <laughs> that had to be you, right? Biagio had a beeper. Yeah, Biagio had a beeper. Of course he did. <laughs> and uh, but that was it, it, I hope everyone listening to this as a podcast is uh, watches the movie first like go see it somewhere and then listen to this this is a weird time to tell people that <laughs> but um, I hope that's what happens because of, of what I'm about to say when Biagio asks his dad those questions right do you, I like to imagine that Biagio just returned home and the, the father never know. noticed he dad, was gone. In my mind, the dad had no idea he was Yeah, there. and he was just shaving, and oh, yes, he right. just asked me some questions like he does sometimes. <laughs> it's, right. been, it's been a while. But also, that scene was written in English, and Moises is uh, Colombian, and he made great strides in telling me he was from Colombia uh, about 30 times. <laughs> and so one day I just put him to the test and was like, all right, dude, do the first half of the scene. Do this whole scene in Spanish except the last line. And it, it's so it's so weird because that character should be Italian and he's speaking Spanish. And, and then at the last line, and, but the dad's responding in English. It's like the weirdest thing. It is pretty weird now that you mention it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but the dad had no idea he was gone. At all. All right. <laughs> I can live with that assessment. Um, who, who do I leave off at? Uh, Gabriel, have you uh, been to the movies? Uh, yeah, I saw Man of Steel. It was, it was decent. Whoa. Wow. Like, this is smart. You're getting people to check out your movie. Like, you know, just talk down every other movie. I'm not, I'm not saying, like... RCG is way better. <laughs> Like the snake CG? Yeah. <laughs> Kills it. You had a real snake running around in that. We had a real scenes. snake running around. It, one that actually could uh, hurt somebody? No, or it, didn't, it, it didn't have fangs and it wasn't venomous. It was a but gopher it was, snake. It's <laughs> it a gopher snake, apparently. Uh, it was a real pain in the ass. Never did anything I wanted it to do. Um, yeah. Bit, bit the wrong actor. So they wouldn't they even rewrite the scene. We, we didn't feed that snake for like two weeks, which is like a normal thing in snake training. It makes him aggressive. Uh, and then he showed up on set and like, what, are they, what do they call it when they kill the mouse? Thumping it? Oh, yeah. Well, that's what Jungle Terry Oh, yeah. Called. So our animal trainer's name was Jungle Terry. And he drove around in a, a zebra printed Range Rover. Yeah. And uh, dressed uh, in, in various safari regalia. And just yelled at people, Welcome to Jurassic Park. Yeah. Welcome to Jungle Terry. Yeah. It's fucking weird. Um, yeah, that snake sucked. All right. I, I think we've run out of time, actually, but uh, let's get... Let's get uh, some audience questions. Yeah, let's get a couple quick ones, because uh, no one's given me the uh, stop now. Awesome. I didn't we'll, get to answer the movie I saw. Okay, we've, got th- we've been told whatever. we have three minutes, so speed round of audience questions. This gentleman right up front real here. Fast. Just yell it out real loud. I was just wondering, I thought the first half... Okay, we don't have time for uh, <laughs> your critical assessment of the emotion. How did you balance the tone from being... How'd you balance the serious and 
Uh, if you watch my short film, Successful Alcoholics, it does something similar where it starts off really funny and then gets uh, really dramatic and then ping-pongs back and forth. Uh, I'm going to speed through these questions. Um, it's just testing. You know, it's, it's always about making it real and grounded and about something and uh, ideally rooting it in these characters. And that it, took, it takes a lot of testing and revising in the editing process to make sure the audience is willing to go on that path. Thanks for that question. You're free to go. <laughs> you, sir. After a bunch of testings, was there anything that you were surprised the audience reacted to that you didn't think they would react that way? There's still things when I watch this movie. Uh, do we need to repeat the Did question? Did you watch the whole thing uh, this time? The, the no. screening? I've seen this movie like 500 times. It's stupid. I hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do have to see it a lot, but uh, but laughs in different places. Yeah, well, there's there's always things that people laugh at that I'm like, why are you laughing? That's not even a joke. What's going on? Uh, the things that I am not only surprised people laugh at, but really happy people laugh at are a lot of the like loose improv things that I really let these guys do and really would bring themselves to it. Like the, before the camouflage scene, when Patrick exits the house uh, and is swinging that stick around and hits himself in the foot, that's really him hitting himself, Dude, hitting himself in the foot. <laughs> that was no joke. You know, and, and so there's a bunch of weird stuff like that. That you, you know, like filmmaking's a fluid process. So you never know what people are going to react to. Don, you can go. <laughs> and, uh, let's ask uh, some of the uh, actors. Yeah, have actor questions? Dude, right there. Okay, go. Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, he's saying that uh, for the podcast, you should dance, because uh, I always like to have things that the listeners just go, what, what's so I happening? Just, I just backflipped, guys. Yeah. <laughs> use so just like slick. that. Use, use your imagination. I got a, uh, a tweet from somebody after you were on Douglas Movies, Moises, and uh, the person said, uh, you know, he, he, was, he was on Hannah Montana. Why didn't you ask him about that? And I said, because I bet you he doesn't give a shit about talking about <laughs> Hannah Montana. He's probably had enough questions about that. Uh, well, I mean, you just asked it, so let's get into it. Uh, <laughs> you know, Cancel I, the ten ten screening. We're going to talk about Hannah Montana for an hour. I was 10. I'm 19. Kings of Summer. <laughs> exactly. I had no idea he was on that show until we were in Ohio at grocery stores and like teenage girls would come up to us crying, being like, are you Rico from Hannah? And I was like, I don't give a shit about that show. I know nothing about that show. But to an entire generation, he's like their Steve Urkel. He was the comic relief on a show Steve that was... Steve Urkel to but he's, clear, but he's clearly escaped from those shackles and <laughs> does a great job of, uh, you know, like we're not seeing... What's his name? Julio? Julio White. Yeah, we're not really seeing a lot of uh, no. him in movies like this. So, good job. <laughs> Last well, question. Well done. One more maybe. Uh, for well, maybe like a question that everyone could quickly everyone give shout an it out at the same time. Land Trunt. <laughs> yeah. Land Trunt. Land Trunt. That's was that that's, that's what, that's, No, that's uh, that was in the script. That is from the mind of Chris Galletta. That's not a question. So. <laughs> well. well uh, Henry David Thoreau's Walden. Two years in the woods. It's an influence, certainly. Uh, the New Yorker. <laughs> referenced that and uh, thought we were okay. <laughs> uh, do, you, uh, do you have a few other influences you could mention? I mean, it's sort of what I was talking about earlier. Look, the influences to me at the end of the day are just goddamn being 14 is the best slash thank God I'm done with that. That was the most painful, terrible, awkward time in my life. But it's what makes you who you are. That's the influence. Have you guys ever but, seen Speed, the Keanu Reeves movie? <laughs> 
That was, yeah, um, that's how I refer to it every time I bring it up. Bad Boys 2, um, Over the Edge, Kids, This is the Goonies, Stand By Me. It was like John Kids Hughes. without the AIDS, I thought. No, the AIDS is there. You just, you just missed an important it's plot. Biagio. It's Biagio. We cut it. <laughs> well, thank you so much to all you guys for doing this. I really appreciate it. Jordan Vogt Roberts, Nick Robinson, Gabriel. Is it Basso? Basso. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to say it the wrong way. Moises Arias, Mark Evan Jackson, and uh, Ross, Ross Rigi. Rigi. Yeah. Um, uh, go see Kings of Summer. Yeah, thank you for coming out. Do and it. People, people listening, it really does make a difference. As always, no, I'm, you know, podcast listeners. And as always, anyone who doesn't go see Kings of Summer is a shithead. Is a shithead. <laughs> Makes him 